How many of you understand that there is more to life than being a fan? We've got fans for everything. We've got fans for race car drivers. We've got fans for football players. We've got fans for country music singers. We've got fans for rap stars. We've got fans for everything. But what I have found out is, is that fans really don't make a difference. It is those who make a commitment that make a difference. And so last week I began talking to you on this subject of being committed more than a fan. And so we're going to continue that today. Would you take your Bibles, go to the book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to read to you a few verses of Scripture beginning in the 19th verse there. As you're turning there, let me greet our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Church, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm thankful for what has already taken place. I know you've already had an exciting time in worship today, but now let's get ready to go together into the Word of God. The book of Hebrews, uh, we began last week, and I want to begin it. I want to go back there today. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, beginning in the 19th verse, says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, and we told you there are four lettuces that we're going to take time with over the next few weeks. This was the first one. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23 is where we're going to be today. And then he says, and let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, here's, here's what I want to tell you this morning. Last week, we talked about commitment, and we talked about being committed to Jesus Christ. That in each and every one of our lives, that first uh, led us there, talks about giving our life to the Lord, giving ourselves uh, in full surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, and what that means. And we talked about how, how that to become a Christian, that you have to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that, that you have to walk with Him, that there has to be this whole understanding of salvation that takes place. That verse also talks about being washed. We talked about baptism last week. I want to just take a moment real quickly to tell you again, baptism is very important for a Christian. Baptism is that public identification of what God has done in your heart. If you have not been baptized since you made a commitment to Jesus Christ, the Word of God time and time and time and time and time again tells you you need to follow the Lord in the waters of baptism to signify what Jesus Christ has already done in your heart. Now, today we're going to be talking about being committed to growth. Uh, in each and every one of our lives, it's one thing to get committed to Jesus Christ. It's, it's one thing to, to come into, and I don't know what just happened on my mic. It's one thing to come into relationship with, with God Almighty and, and to say, you know what? I have now entered into a relationship with God. But let me help you with this. It's not enough just to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have got to come into that place where you make Him the Lord of your life. So I commit my life to Christ. That's the first let us, is, is that, that place of committed to Christ. But once I become a believer, let me, let me talk to you a minute. Jesus doesn't want part of you. No, you didn't hear me. I'll talk to this group. Jesus doesn't want part of you. Jesus wants all of you. He's not, he's not, you know, these, these nice little bumper stickers and, and, and tags that people put on their car. God is my co-pilot. That's a bunch of baloney. I hope you don't have one on there today. If you do, go get a screwdriver and get it off. 
God is not your co-pilot. God's either the pilot or he's not on board. He's he's the one. He has has to be in charge. Listen, when Jesus shows up in your life, he calls for radical commitment. He shows up and these guys are out there fishing and and they're making a good living. They're, They're wealthy. And if you study history, you'll find out that the apostle Peter had a house that was huge and and all of these things. And Jesus looks at them and says, hey, guys, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave everything you know. Uh Uh-oh. Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible said they dropped their nets and they followed him. Now, that's radical commitment. And in the kingdom of God, God is calling us to that place of not just being a fan, not just being one who says, you know, I, you know not, not going on your Facebook page and liking Jesus. <laughs> I think that's about the, the level of a lot of Christianity. It's, yeah, I checked off the box. It says, I like Jesus, so I, I'm good. No, no, no. You're not good just to like Jesus. You're good if you are like Jesus. That you give yourself to that place where you live in obedience day in and day out to the radical call of commitment. Now, I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to dig down in our worlds. I'm going to talk to us today uh, about an aspect. In fact, go to the book of Matthew, the 16th chapter. You got your Bibles, I hope, or you got something in the Word of God uh, that you've downloaded it on. And, and I, I, want to, I want to read to you, and this is where we're going to be spending uh, the, the portion of, of Scripture today that, that we're going to be talking out of. Uh, you, you know, in, in the book of Hebrews there, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful so how do I hold unswervingly and live to to have this overcoming power-packed life that God has for me and to grow in everything that God wants well Matthew the 16th chapter and the 24th verse gives you how you do that here's here's what Jesus says. says then Jesus said to his disciples whoever wants to be my disciple See, we're talking about growth or discipleship today. Whoever wants to be my disciples must, number one, deny themselves. Number two, take up their cross. And number three, follow me. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, it is about radically changing our lives. It's not that we just add Jesus as an addendum to everything else that we are doing in life. Amen. I, I know that this goes counterculture. I understand. I, I understand that, that we want to package Jesus and make him as accessible as we can to lost people. And I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is that Christians who are not willing to change their life after they're introduced to Jesus Christ. How that we still want to live for ourselves, how we still want to do what we want to do, instead of coming to that place of saying, wait a minute, if Jesus Christ thought enough of me that he would die on a cross, how much more should I be willing to live wholeheartedly for he and for his kingdom? You and I are called to do that. So, so first of all, let's talk about denying ourselves. That's number one in our lives if we want to really grow in relationship with God. If we really want to be what God wants us to be. And and the first thing that we have to deny in ourselves, we have to deny our self-righteousness. No, no, we really do. I mean, I mean, everybody, well, you know, I'm not, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, right? 
What is that? That's self-righteous. Well, I, I know I'm not where I, I should be. I know I'm not as but but at least I'm not as bad as, you know, guy over there or the gal over there. What, what we're doing is, is that we are, we are trying to feel better about ourselves. We, we're trying to say, well, if I do enough good things and I do this and that. No, no, no. What we have to understand is that Jesus Christ calls us to deny ourselves. Deny yourself take up your cross and follow him. That's, that's what he tells us to do. And, and so hey, here's, here's what I want to tell you. And, and in fact, I'm going to give you an opportunity right here in just a moment to, to do something that you've been wanting to do. Would you look at your neighbor and say, you're selfish? <laughs> Hallelujah. Didn't that feel good? I mean, it's just like, whoo, I've been wanting to say that for years and the preacher finally gave me the opportunity to do it. All right. But, but let me help you. All of us are. You don't teach children to be selfish. They're just naturally selfish. You don't grow out of selfishness. Uh, you, you get better at hiding it. Right? Uh, but, but what Jesus is coming along and saying is, look, I want you to be willing to lay your life down. I want you to deny yourself. Now, the, the, the desires that we're talking about here uh, are the things that would keep me from doing the will of God. Th those things that I want to do. And again, we talk about the Apostle Paul life. The Apostle Paul talks about those things that I want to do, I don't do. Those things I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. And, and that's, that's where we are a lot of times. But Jesus says to us, look, if you really want to follow me, if you really want to grow in Christianity, you've got to be willing to deny your own desires. Wow. See, basically it's the process of growing into adulthood. You know, we, we don't really get too freaked out uh, if a two-year-old lays in the floor and kicks. But when they're 22, we got a problem. You know, when they're 52, it's even worse. Uh, but, but it's, you, you know, it's, it's that whole aspect. We expect children to exhibit selfishness and whatever. And, and when you come first, when you first come in the kingdom of God, it's about you. Me, 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 me. I need my marriage healed. I need my body healed. I need my finances healed. I need this. I need that. It's all about me. But the longer you live for God, that me has to change. And all of a sudden, it is not about me. It is about what God has called me to do. In other words, a child is selfish. An adult should be giving. So when I, when I am growing in my relationship with God Almighty... If it's always, i got to come to church so I can have my need met and I can have this met, and, and, I'm, and the only reason I go to that church is because they do what I want, want them to do, and they, then, then I'm still at this baby stage in my walk with God. But when I grow, when I become mature, when I move into that place, then I learn how to deny myself. Now, Jesus is our pattern for everything we do in life. And so today we're going to look at his life in, in these three aspects. We're going to look at him, how that he denied himself, how he took up his cross, and, and, and how he followed uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And, and here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. 
Most of you know the story. And the Bible says Jesus went to be baptized of John. That's another reason you ought to be baptized because it's following in the footsteps of Jesus. But we won't go there. And uh, so Jesus goes and he's baptized of John. The Bible says when he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit was a dove. Watch your theology. It says it came like a dove. It landed. It set upon Jesus as a dove. But if you keep reading that, one translation says, and the Holy Spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness wow that that's a but that's a pretty strong word the holy spirit drove jesus to the wilderness and in the wilderness jesus for 40 days did not eat now now we we kind of we say jesus was driven in the wilderness for 40 days and, and then he encountered the devil who we went that bad no, no no we didn't get it Jesus is in the wilderness. He's not at the Sheraton. He, he, didn't, he didn't have a Walmart next door. He is in the wilderness, in the wild. There's wild animals. There's all kind of things out there. And not only is he roughing it, he is encountering. Some people say, well, the, the devil showed up at the end of it. No, go read the story. The devil is there daily encountering Jesus, trying to destroy what Jesus is up to. Then at the end, in the, on the 40th day, Satan comes back and he tempts Jesus with three temptations and they fall in to the three things we're talking about today. The, the first thing, the first temptation was, now can you imagine 40 days that you have been fasting and praying? I mean, some of us struggle with 40 minutes. 40 days he hasn't eaten, he's drunk some water and that's been it. Satan shows up and, and he, he, he begins to attack who Jesus is. If you're the Son of God. Now remember what had just happened. i got to backtrack a minute. Remember that when Jesus came up out of the water, there's this voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then the first thing that Satan starts doing, he starts questioning his identity. Don't miss it. When the devil comes to tempt you, he will question your identity. If you are the Son of God. Wait a minute. I just heard a voice from heaven say I was the Son of God, and he was well pleased with me. But you're saying, does this make sense? But you're saying, if you're the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? You're hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Jesus looks at Satan and says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, now here's, here's the little encounter that he is denying himself. I mean, I'm going to tell you, after 40 days of prayer and fasting, some bread would be nice. Amen? I mean, a cracker would be great. I mean, you, you've been dreaming of M&Ms for months. I mean, just, just anything at that moment would be great. But here's what Jesus is showing in, the, in this whole aspect of denying yourself, is that spiritual life takes precedence over natural life. Don't miss it. What Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to satisfy my natural desires by violating a spiritual principle, and that is doing what the devil tells me to do. Hmm. See, the, the Word of God lets us know that food sustains my natural body, but the Word of God sustains my spiritual life. That's why we ought to be in the Word of God every day. That's why we ought to be reading. That's why we have it on our website that you can go in there and click, and, and you can every day be reading through the Bible as we are as a congregation because we know that it's the Word of God that sustains us. And, and here's, here's what Jesus shows us. Again, remember, deny yourself, take up your cross. In, in this whole aspect of denying himself, here's what Jesus is showing us. Jesus is saying, look, 
You've got to reject self-leadership for the Holy Spirit's leadership. Does that make sense? In other words, if I do what I want to do, it's not pretty. It's selfish. It flows out of my desires and my wants. But if I can come to the place of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead my life. And so Jesus, instead of doing what his nature wanted to do, instead of doing what his body wanted to do, and, and, and let me say this to you, if he had just walked out and been by himself and he saw stones there and he says, I think I'll make those bread, that'd been fine. He could have done that. He was God. The Bible says he was, man, he was God manifest in the flesh. He, he had that ability. We know that he can you know, turn water into wine, raise the dead, and heal the sick. He can do all that stuff. But what he is doing at this moment is rejecting the enemy's attack to fulfill a natural desire in an illicit manner. And that's where the devil comes into our life. And that's where God says, wait a minute, that's why you don't sleep around before you get married. There's, wow, it gets quiet. See, Christians who commit fornication and adultery are violating this aspect of denying their self. Why? Because we are fulfilling a need, a desire, but we are doing it in an illicit manner. Woo! gets quiet when pastor really starts talking right down where we live. All right? The, the, the Word of God is quite clear that the, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. He goes on to say, all things are lawful, but he said, I will not be brought under the dominion or under the bondage of anything. Our, our deal is, is that we don't do very much self-denial. Let me say this to you. There can only be one master. You, the, the Lord said, you can't serve two masters. You, you can't serve God, and the Scripture says, and mammon, that's money. You, you can't serve to mammon. Either God is God or something else is God in our life. And so the Word of God says to us, and Jesus demonstrates to us, that we've got to deny ourselves. We, we've got to be willing to reject what we want so that we can fulfill the mandate that God calls us to fulfill. Secondly, He says to take up our cross. Now, you know, we've, we've made the cross a nice little thing you wear around your neck or you put it on your window sticker or, or whatever. But, but I want to tell you, the, the cross is not pretty. We've prettied it up. But the cross, let me tell you what the cross is about. The cross is about dying and suffering. Huh. This, this, this series is just going to sell out. Just every, every week. It's just going to, I can tell already, just... Tens of thousands are going to go across the world because we're liking it so much. See, the, the taking up my cross refers to giving my whole life to God. And, and the, the book of Luke says that this is an ongoing process, that we daily take up our cross and follow Him. Now, and I want to tell you, cross-bearing is your choice. quiet cross bearing is up to you you the bible says you take up your cross and follow him 
It doesn't say, you know, I've heard people say, well, this is just my cross to bear, and it's something bad going on in their life. That's not your cross to bear. That's not something you picked up. That's something that came on you. That's, you know, that's a sickness. That's a problem. That's a difficulty that came in your life. That's not your cross to bear. You know what your cross to bear is? It's when you totally surrender to God. That's your cross. Oh, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about my desire. Again, Jesus illustrates this. The second temptation, Satan shows up again during this whole process there, and, and he, he takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple, and, he's, and he says, he's, now, now Satan starts quoting Scripture. Let me just say this to you. Just because some, somebody or something quotes Scripture doesn't mean they're of God. So Satan now quotes Scripture and says, well, the Word says, because you said the Word, so now I'll quote the Word. The Word says that you can, you can cast yourself off and that the angels will bear you up lest you dash yourself you know, a foot against a stone. And, and so why don't you cast yourself down? And, and what he's saying is, why don't, why don't you show everybody how holy you are? Why don't you, show, why don't you at this moment show what you're doing? And, and so what he's doing is, now watch what he does. He is urging Jesus to step out on his own. Why don't you do this? Now, now remember what Jesus said about, about what he did on earth. He said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father do. He, he said, I, and, and he's standing here and he's going, I, I don't see the father doing this. Here's what I see. I see Satan telling me to do this. What, what he is saying, and I, and I want you to catch this, don't miss it. What, what Satan is saying to Jesus and what he says to us is, why don't you step out of divine covering? Why don't you do what you want to do? Why don't you lay the cross down? Don't worry about that cross thing. You, you know what I found out about the cross? The cross won't go through some doors. I mean, there's some, you know, if, if you're going out to party on the weekend, you got to, you got to, when you get ready to walk in that club, the, the <laughs> you got to take that cross and you got to lay it up against the wall because it, it ain't going through the door. It'll just, however big the door is, that cross will grow bigger than the door. So, right? I, it's just not, there are some places that the cross won't go. If you go, it ain't going. And Jesus understands that. And, and so Jesus shows us something. And I, and I want you to get this. Jesus shows us that testing God is not trusting God. That's why I don't like fleeces. Any of you that grew up in denominations of backgrounds said, you know, if, if you really want to know what God wants you to do, then put a fleece out. I don't have time to go into all that. And basically, it's, it's, it's living out of doubt. I put a fleece out, God, if you really want me to do this, you know. And, and what we do, we can set it up either way. We, we can say, Lord, if we don't want him to answer yes, then we can say, God, if you really want me to do this, I want a rocket ship to land in my yard tonight. <laughs> we get up next morning, no rocket ship. Praise God, I wasn't supposed to do that. Or, all right, or if we want to do it, we say, Lord, uh, in the next 10 minutes as I stand out here on Oil Well Road, let one Ford pickup pass by. Well, there's a gazillion pickup, forward pickups in this county. So you know, oh, okay, there goes a Ford. Hallelujah, that's what God wants me to do. And, and see, this whole fleecing thing, go read Gideon if you want to understand where it came from. Uh, the, the whole fleecing thing is, is unbelief. It's doubt. It, it's what it is. It's testing God instead of trusting God. And, and so what Satan is saying here, why, why don't you lay the cross down and why don't you test God? 
So I want to tell you something. The miraculous is not always of God. Well, I just got quiet. The miraculous is not always of God. There are miraculous things that take place that God has nothing to do with. Well, I'll slow down. The, the Word of God's quite clear that there are signs and wonders that God has nothing to do with. That there are things that take place miraculously. People say, whoo, wasn't that great? And Jesus could have done that. And the angels would have borne Jesus up. But he would have done it of his own flesh instead of doing it the way God wanted him to. And so we've got to come to that place where we are willing to, to take up our cross and to die to our will. Lord, it's not about me. I'm going to carry the cross and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And then lastly, he says, and follow me. Now that, that following me is not some passive life uh, that, that, you know, well, I, I just don't want to go to hell, so I'm going I'm to follow Jesus, but I'm going to be way back in the crowd. Right? That's not what it's talking about. When you study that word there, following him, uh, it, 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 the, the connotation is, is that it's energetic, that it's active, uh, that, that there's zeal and humility and patience. That The Bible says that we're running the race, that we're moving forward into everything that, that God has. Now, now watch the last temptation, okay? Jesus, the last temptation Satan brings about, he takes Jesus up, and the Bible says he shows Jesus the kingdoms of the world. And he says to Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Now listen carefully what I'm going to say. Jesus came for one purpose, and that was to repossess the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of the world had been given to man. Man gave them to Satan in the Garden of Eden. Jesus' purpose was to come back and repossess what his father had created. So he comes at that moment and he knows that the plan is he's going to have to die on the cross. Satan is saying, let me give you an easy way out to fulfill the mission you're called to do. And that's what he does in our lives. He shows up and says, you really don't need to be sold out to the Lord. You really don't need to live that hard for Jesus. You really don't need to give your tithes and pay your, to give your offer. You, you, you really don't need to do those things. If you'll just worship me, I'll give you everything you want. Can, can I just talk to you a minute? I get to go a little longer in this service because this is not the one we put on television. So I can say stuff here. Do, do, do you understand that when you look at the world, the reason that all these ungodly people are prospering is because of who they're worshiping? Don't miss it. All the singers and, and stars and, and all these people that are out there putting out such filth in our nation. And they're making millions upon millions of dollars a year. Why? Because they chose who they were going to worship. And Satan is rewarding them significantly. See, here's, here's what worship is. When Satan says, if you will worship me, here's what worship means. Worship means allegiance. 
So he's saying, if you give me allegiance, worship also means declaring another's superiority. He's saying, if you will just for one minute say, I'm bigger than you are, I'll give you what you want. What worship is, is is proclaiming dependence on someone or something that is greater than you are. See, we, we come together and, and, and the worship team steps up here and we say, Let, let's all enter worship together. We're, we're going to start worship this morning. Let, let me help you for a moment. We don't start worship. Have you ever been watching something and maybe the president comes on or, or, or a golf tournament's been on and it runs long or whatever, and, and then when, when it's over, they'll say something like this. They'll say, and now we will join our regularly scheduled broadcast already in progress. Let me help you. Every time we worship, we are joining the angels already in progress. When you come into the house of God, don't miss it. When you come into the house of God, it's not, well, I don't like that song. I don't want to clap my hands. Nobody ever taught me to lift my hands. Wait a minute. I am joining the angels of God who are already in progress, circling around the throne of God, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the four and 20 elders are taking their crowns and casting them at Jesus' feet, and they are worshiping and bowing down before him. All I'm doing is I'm joining them already in progress let me say this to you worship's not an option for a believer worship is a mandate in fact worship is not a not an option for anybody because everybody's going to worship somebody everybody is going to worship see the the third temptation here with Jesus is is the seduction of doing ministry that is convenient well, Pastor, I, I don't mind. Are you, are you okay? You look nervous. A couple of weeks I'm going to talk about committed to ministry. And, and it's easy to say, well, you know, I, I'm committed when it's convenient. Well, if, if it works into my schedule. No, no, no. J- Jesus isn't trying to work ministry into his schedule. Jesus is saying, I'm going to follow what I'm supposed to do. See, here's what Jesus shows us. i got to hurry. Jesus shows us. That true ministry comes out of submission. I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow him. I have got to lay down what I want, and I've got to do what God wants. See, here's what we've got to come to. We've got to come to the same place Jesus did. I only do what God does. I only, we, we need to have the same mantra that Jesus had. I only do what I see my Father doing. If He's not doing it, I'm not doing it. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. If He's not doing it, I'm not doing it. Hallelujah. Let me, let me say this to you. What you worship, you serve. That, that's why the Word of God says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Do you know why the, the American society is based on money? Do, do you know that, that everything that goes around in our country is based on greed and money? Our whole system is based on greed and money. You, you, what, whatever you're wearing this year is going to be out of style next year. Whatever you're driving right now, in a few weeks, there's going to be a newer one, better one, shinier one coming out. Why? Be- 
And, and so we run after this. And, and then, can, can, I just, can I just go ahead and make everybody just, just might as well, right? And then we come to the house of God, and when the pastor talks about that, that there's a covenant blessing and also that there's a covenant mandate that says that you're to bring your tithes into the storehouse, that, that you are to bring 10% of your income that, that God has blessed you with, that you're to bring that into the house of God and you're to pay your tithes, people go, I can't believe that. that pre- All he cares about is my money. No, it's not. God cares about you. And God says, if you are in right relationship with me, you will worship me with your money. Well, hallelujah. You'll worship me in your giving. I'm going I'm to close. I'm, I'm going to close. I'm going to close. When I get done. Mary worships Jesus by giving a year's wages of perfume and pours it on his feet. Judas sitting at the same table. I just heard Robert Morris talk about this, and it messed me up. Robert Morris pastors Gateway Church, one of the largest churches in America. Judas sits there and says, why wasn't this money taken and and sold and the money given to the poor? And the Bible says he didn't care about the poor, but he was a thief. People who get all nervous when the pastor talks about money and worship haven't settled a heart issue yet. They're still testing God. They're not trusting God. I'm going to say it. It's not in my notes, but we're going there. All right? And Robert Morris said this, and when he did, I never thought of it. He, he said, you know what? Everybody sits back and says, man, I can't believe Judas was stealing from Jesus. If I'd been one of Jesus' guys, I'd never stolen from him. He said, but if you are a believer and you don't pay tithes, Malachi says you're doing the exact same thing that Judas did. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Robert Morris. He said it. The Bible says it. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me, said it. See, worship, Jesus understood this, that worship was every aspect of who he was. And if he were to subvert that and submit that to Satan, that in that moment, Satan would become the king of his life. And he no longer would be in the right relationship with his father. But now he would have stepped out of that boundary and would have been walking after his own desires. And the word of God is so clear to us that if we really are going to be committed, come on up here, Adam, so I'll stop. Or whoever's coming, Adam, Philip, somebody. It, there, there's this whole aspect that we've got to understand that I've got to be committed to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow 